I'm Dennis Tubergen, and this is the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates Radio Program. Glad you decided to tune in today. Hey, joining me on today's program in segments two and three is Dr. Bob McHugh. Bob is one of the hardest working technical analysts in the business. He's going to give you what will be, for many of you, a rather shocking forecast for the U.S. stock market. So you'll want to stay tuned for that. If you've not yet received a copy of the best-selling book, Retirement Roadmap, uh, which talks about how many aspiring retirees can use the revenue sourcing process to achieve a secure tax-free retirement in today's economy, I would invite you to get a complimentary copy of the book. All you need to do is visit RoadmapToRetirementBook.com. Let us know your name and address, and we'd be glad to send you a complimentary copy of the book, along with some bonus information. Again, to get the Retirement Roadmap book, all you need to do is visit the website, RoadmapToRetirementBook.com, and let us know where to mail your copy. You know, many months ago, when Fed Chair Jerome Powell said that inflation would be transitory, meaning temporary. It won't be around all that long. I stated that I thought that narrative would change. And just to prove the point, back in July, there was an article published that I shared with my newsletter readers, quoting Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, who said at the time that we'll get some inflation, but it's not going to be around all that long. This is a quote Ms. Yellen uh, this is a quote from Ms. Yellen, I should say, in a CNBC interview. She said, Americans can expect consumer prices to continue their rapid rise until returning to normal in the medium term. She said during the CNBC interview, we'll have several more months of rapid inflation. So I'm not saying this is a one-month phenomenon. But I think over the medium term, we'll see inflation decline back toward normal levels but, of course, we'll have to keep a careful eye on it. Well, that was back in July. Ms. Yellen said that she thought we would see several months of inflation, depending upon how you want to define several, several months have now passed. And the narrative now is changing because, as we all know, those of us who go to the grocery store, those of us who buy things, those of us who pay for services know that inflation is accelerating significantly. And the Fed now has different members that are now admitting that inflation is likely not transitory. Atlanta Federal Reserve President Rafael Bostic said last week that He's not seeing changes in the longer-run inflation expectations. In fact, he said inflation is appearing to last longer because of supply chain and labor disruptions. Mr. Bostic also said inflation right now is tied to the episode of the pandemic, and those forces will recede. Well, I would argue that inflation is tied to massive currency creation, but if you're a Federal Reserve president, you can't say that's the cause of inflation. You have to blame something or someone other than your own policies. Now, shortly after 
Mr. Bostic, who again is the Federal Reserve Bank president of the Atlanta Bank, said uh, what he said. You had St. Louis president James Bullard who came out and said, and I quote, well, I do think there is some probability that this will naturally dissipate over the next six months. So Ms. Yellen said in July it would be several months. Now Mr. Bullard, the St. Louis Federal Reserve Bank president, now says six months. Well, I do think there's some probability that this will naturally dissipate over the next six months. I wouldn't say that's such a strong case that we can count on it. I would put 50% probability on the dissipation story and 50% probability on the persistent story. Well, I would put 100% probability on the persistent story unless, of course, the Federal Reserve changes policy extremely quickly. And if they do change policy and quit creating currency and raise interest rates to fight inflation, I'm firmly convinced that will be the catalyst that drives stocks lower. And again, if you're just tuning in, I'll be chatting with Mr. Or Dr. Bob McHugh rather about his take on where U.S. stock market indices are today. Now, the producer price index continues to rise. In fact, inflation measures are now at fresh 30-year highs. Mr. Bullard, when asked to comment on that fact, said, this is concerning. Well, it certainly is. In fact, Bullard said he favored that the Fed should scale back its support next month by tapering asset purchases, meaning slowing down the rate of purchases. And for those of you that maybe that aren't familiar with how that works, the Federal Reserve creates currency out of thin air, and they use that currency to buy assets from banks. Well, by tapering asset purchases, they don't have to create as much currency to buy these assets. Well, the Federal Reserve released their minutes last week from their recent meeting, and Fed officials agreed they should start reducing support for the economy in mid-November or mid-December because of these inflation concerns. Now, I'm not sure, I'm not convinced that the Fed will actually do this. In fact, I'll go on record as saying that any taper, I believe, will be more symbolic than it will be meaningful. Now, what we really have at the present time, I believe, is stagflation. And stagflation is simply defined as inflation combined with a contracting economy. That's what we had in the 1970s. Now, you only need to look at as, as, as far as the recent jobs report that came in last week. It came in far below expectations. According to the September Labor Department report, the U.S. economy added 194,000 jobs in the last month. The consensus projection was for around 500,000 new jobs. So less than 40% of the projected new jobs were actually created. That is a symptom of a contracting economy. 
the Bureau of Economic Analysis says that we have GDP growth rate now at 1%, which is anemic. But you have to remember, GDP is measured in terms of U.S. dollars, which are being rapidly devalued. If you adjust the GDP reported growth rate for the declining purchasing power of the U.S. dollar, I believe we have a contracting economy, and I believe we are in recession currently. Now, the International Monetary Fund, which is the central bank of central banks, issued a stagflation alert. The IMF reported uh, in, a, uh, in a report that was actually published last week that they were very concerned about stagflation. And in the report, the IMF warned that the global economic recovery has lost momentum. And they're very concerned about rising inflation risks. Now, the IMF warned that threats to growth had increased. There are strained supply chains, the chains rather, the report said. There's accelerating inflation. There's rising costs for food and fuel. And because of all these factors, the International Monetary Fund trimmed its global growth forecast. That is the International Monetary Fund saying that we are approaching stagflation. I believe that it's here. Now, what does that mean for you? Well, it likely means that we will continue to see inflation unless the Fed and other central banks abruptly change their policies. Should these central banks, including the Fed, abruptly change their policies, we will see likely a stock market correction, in my view, perhaps a significant one. I'll be talking in the next segment to Dr. Bob McHugh about his forecast for stocks. And a contracting economy is also bad for stocks, so I look for a very difficult environment moving ahead. We are actually now experiencing what we have been warning you about on this program for a very long time. To that end, I'd like to, again, for those of you that are just joining us, offer you a resource that gives you some strategies to consider using moving ahead. I'd like to invite you to get a copy of the Retirement Roadmap book. You can get a copy by visiting the website RoadmapToRetirementBook.com. The website, again, is RoadmapToRetirementBook.com, and we'll be glad to send you a copy of the book along with some bonus information. I'll be back after these words with Dr. Bob McHugh. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen, and joining me on today's program is returning guest, Dr. Robert McHugh. Uh, Bob is the uh, author of, uh, I, I think, the most comprehensive daily newsletter on market analysis that I am aware of. And you can learn more about his work at technicalindicatorindex.com. The website, again, is technicalindicatorindex.com. And, Bob, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Dennis. It's always great to be back. So no shortage of uh, economic, financial, and investing stories. I should throw political in there, too, in the news. Um, and you look at markets using... Uh, really very specialized analysis. Uh, maybe we could just get started today, Bob, by having you explain to the listeners a little bit about your work and how you go about it. 
Okay, sure. Um, what I do is what's called technical analysis of, of uh, the markets, uh, stocks, gold, uh, metals, uh, currencies, and so on. And what it really is based upon is the premise that um, markets are determined by uh, group psychology, by human behavior, by uh, greed and fear, and it tries to measure uh, the mood, the general mood of the markets, uh, of, the, of, the, of the full body of participants. And the theory is that the markets will tell us where they are headed next, that, that it, all information known by all people all around the planet is contained in the pricing structure of markets by buying and selling and, 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 and all the transactions all around the world People make decisions every day based upon what they personally know. So when you combine all this information together into the markets and study the markets, you get patterns and you get uh, indicators. And you can it's basically the market telling us where it's headed next. Is it going up? Is it going down? Is it going to have a prolonged sideways move? Is it a large move? Is it a smaller move? What trend? Is it a tiny trend? Is it a major primary trend? And so this is a body of science uh, in, in the markets that we follow or, and work on to try to tell us, essentially help people determine what are the probabilities that the market's headed higher or lower, and that hopefully is helpful information and when they make their investment decisions. So, Bob, I, uh, I have a question for you. Given, uh, we'll just look at the Federal Reserve, the Central Bank of the United States, given the massive levels of, of currency creation that, that that's really been going on, to what extent has that skewed your work or skewed your analysis, if at all? Well, it it certainly uh, has to go somewhere. The money has to go somewhere, so it it flows into uh, pricing in the stock market and pricing of gold. It flows into the economy and into the markets, primarily through Wall Street, of course. And uh, it can cause uh, the patterns to extend. It could cause them to become worse. It could cause them to become clearer. Uh, they're, they're, the Fed is, and their actions are part of the group psychology of all participants in the markets. They're a player. And so it's all built into the patterns that we follow and the, and the indicators that we, that we see and we uh, develop. So... Bob, to what extent do you uh, do, do you well? Let, let's just back up a minute. Give give us your overview of U.S. stock market indices at this point, from a fundamental perspective, using you know the Buffett indicator, which measures the total market capitalization uh, divided by gross domestic product. Stocks are more overvalued than uh, pretty; they're near all-time highs using that valuation measure. Uh, what does what does your technical analysis tell you about the health of, of U.S. stock markets today? I think the best word to use to describe the, this, this situation right now in the markets is they are at a vulnerable period of time. They're vulnerable right now. They're uh, in a situation where we have seen a lot of very bearish patterns and indicators uh, evident or coming to conclusion that warn that the market is at risk of a serious decline. Uh, whether that's extended another month or two or three or six, 
it's hard to tell because some of these patterns are extremely long. Some of them are 40 years long, 50 years long. Some of them are 15 years long. But even the shorter-term patterns are warning that there's a period of vulnerability here. And we have other indicators in addition to the patterns that are also confirming that this is a, a period where caution is warranted, um, whether because of, of government manipulation with the Fed and so on. Uh, can you get it to the precise point of when it's going to go down? No. But we feel that the the overall body of what we're, our work here is saying, be careful, be careful this time. Uh, there's an overabundance of uh, exuberance, of optimism, which can often be a contrary indicator. Uh, and we have some other things that are going on that, that are very uh, serious that need to be considered. So, Bob, in your work, and uh, I, f I follow your work uh, on, on a weekly basis, uh, you had mentioned that uh, there's something called a Hindenburg omen that might be ominous for the future of stocks. Can, can you explain what that is and, 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 and why you made that comment? Yeah, the Hindenburg omen is uh, something that's been around for quite a while, and uh, I've been tracking it for 20 years. And uh, what it is is basically identifying a situation uh, in the market that is unhealthy and that <clears throat> we have never had a stock market crash without a Hindenburg element on the clock. But every single stock market crash that has happened has always had a Hindenburg element or more on the clock at the same time. It's basically a, a an indicator that says if uh, – if you have a high number of new highs and new lows on a particular day, at the same time, that's an unhealthy market. That's a dangerous market. If there's a lot of new highs and not a lot of new lows, that's a healthy market. You say, okay, it's going higher. It's a bull market. If you have a lot of lows and not many highs, you say, well, that's a healthy market because we know that it's uh, – coming to a conclusion that whatever was the sell-off is coming to conclusion. But when you have them both at the same high level, not just a small level, there's a threshold that has to be, they're both over 2.5% or 2.2% of, uh, of New York Stock Exchange's issues traded, and there's uh, the advanced decline lines in the market are negative. Uh, there's, a, there's a period here where over history correlations indicate that you're at risk. And right now we have two on the clock at the same time. One was generated in August. It has a life expectancy to December of warning us. <clears throat> Another one was opened uh, that occurred on October 4th uh, that has a warning period out till February of 2022. And uh, to have two concurrent ones at the same time is rare. We did have two concurrent ones on the clock just before the March 2020 uh, plunge. And so now we have that situation again for the first time since since that plunge. So that's just another flag, a red flag saying, be cautious, be careful. It doesn't mean there's a crash coming. We don't always get a crash when there's a Hindenburg omen. But it tells you that we're in an environment where there could be one. And when we don't have these Hindenburg omens, there's never been one. So you feel like it's a little bit all clear sign. But right now we're, we're, on, a, we're on a warning from this indicator saying, be careful. 
Well, if you're just joining us, I'm chatting today with Dr. Robert McHugh. You can learn more about his work at technicalindicatorindex.com. And, and Bob, uh, what do your charts tell you uh, a correction or a plunge could look like? How, how low could stocks go? Well, there's a lot of our work here that's indicating we may be about to start a large bear market. And it would be a bear market that would be correcting a bull market of a couple hundred years. <laughs> so this could be a very large bear market that, that we're seeing developing and, and, and is coming, whether it comes now or in a month from now or six months or a year, it's coming. And um, this could take the stock market down eventually more than half of its value, probably three quarters of its value when by the time it's done. Now this is a long, this could be a very long-term bear market it could last 10 years, something like we saw in the 30s, maybe even longer, 20 years, because it's a higher degree bear market than we saw in the 30s, 1930s. So, but by the time it's done, it's going to have an awful lot of damage done. And it always, it, bear markets, you know, they, they plunge, then they bounce back, they plunge, they bounce back. There's a series of plunges. It's not going to be just one crash and over like you saw in March 2020. This would be something where it's a it's like a, a step set of steps going down, down up, down up, down up. But the lows are lower, the highs are lower, and it's a progression over years. And that's what we see starting fairly soon. And it should uh, it should the first kickoff to this thing, you know, maybe it'll be a 10% decline, maybe it'll be 15. Um, but there's there's going to be something that there'll be pain that people will feel it and. And then there'll be a, these bear markets generally have very violent rebounds, very violent rallies in them, like we're seeing today in today's stock market. It's up 500 points in Dow. Um, this is typical of a bear market rally. They're very uh, uh, dramatic. But when you look at the overall charts, you say, well, we didn't really get anywhere. Um, we're at the same level we were last week. Um, they never really got back up above new highs. So that's the kind of thing you're looking for were to identify when this thing is getting uh, getting its legs and getting some momentum outside the momentum. And we do wave counts, Elliott wave counts, to try to determine when the, the sweet spot of a decline is coming. And that usually is a wave three. It, the declines come in five wave intervals. Uh, one, waves one, three, and five to progress lower. Two and four are corrective bounces within a declining trend. And the next trend to come down, the next wave is due, is a three wave. So there could be a dramatic decline coming over the next month or so that would push the uh, the markets down. Could be 10%, could be 15%. Uh, and this at this first leg of this developing huge bear market. Well, my guest today is Dr. Robert McHugh. His website is technicalindicatorindex.com. I'd encourage you to check it out. I'll continue my conversation with Dr. McHugh when RLA Radio returns. Stay with us. I'm Dennis Tuberg, and you are listening to RLA Radio. My guest on today's program is Dr. Robert McHugh. Uh, Bob is, uh, I think, the hardest-working technical analyst uh, that exists. Uh, I enjoy his work, and I would encourage you to check out his work at technicalindicatorindex.com. And, uh, Bob, in your market commentary uh, on the 13th, Wednesday, October 13th, and just for 
our listeners reference, we're recording this conversation on Thursday the 14th, since a lot of the things we're talking about um, uh, really are time sensitive. Uh, you note that hyperinflation is starting to show up in the government's data, and uh, I noticed that, uh, I think it was the Atlanta Federal Reserve Bank president said that, you know, this inflation probably isn't transitory. It's probably here to stay. Um, what's your take? I agree with him. It's here to stay because um, we have a serious, serious problem in this country that I don't think is going away anytime soon, and I don't think anybody knows how to fix it. Uh, and it's it's a new development. It's a new development. And that is that there's a labor shortage in America, yet there's plenty of workers. But they're not willing to work. They don't want to work for whatever reasons. And uh, as a result of that, we have a tremendous amount of labor shortages, which everybody's heard about by now, I'm sure. But um, it's causing a problem. It's directly causing inflation. If you have, uh, don't have sufficient amount of workers, then you're not going to produce a sufficient supply of products. You're going to find shortages. And if you find shortages, but yet there's still demand, Economics 101, it causes prices to rise. And that's exactly what we're seeing right now is prices are rising to an extraordinary degree on just about everything. If you go into a supermarket, there's just shortages everywhere. Basic products, ketchup, um, cars, houses, you name it, light bulbs. You can't get stuff. You, you order stuff on Amazon and they ship you the wrong stuff because they don't have what you really wanted and what they were telling you they were selling you. And this is a serious, serious problem. The real problem here is how do you get people to want to go to work? They've handed out so much cash, so much cash. Uh, the Fed prints way too much for the pandemic, way too much. Treasury Department handed out money all over the place. And now they've added uh, fuel to the fire by putting uh, mand mandatory uh, injections uh, required to, for you to work gainfully. So that just adds more to the labor shortages as workers are quitting, refusing to work. Uh, hospital workers are saying, I'm not taking the injection, I'm out of here. So that just created more labor shortages, which exacerbates the problem even more. Um, is a there's a there's a there's a uh, touch of socialism in in the cause here, and back again economics 101 we were told socialism equals shortages and that's exactly what we're seeing right now, and uh, yet there's a few other things that are happening with the shortages thing. There's a dynamic called the gamma bull market trade, and it's bizarre, but there's a generation of people primarily younger people who have are plugged into websites like Reddit and they have realized there's power in numbers and that they have gathered together under the advice and guidance of, of gurus on Reddit saying, hey, let's all go buy this stock or hey, let's, if we all go buy together, we'll buy the stock and then we're going to buy call options on the stock and that forces the writers of the call options to have to go buy the stock but there's a limited amount of the stocks so the stock prices rise and go higher and higher and higher. And they're just sitting at home on their couches instead of working and playing the game of trade, bull market, call options, trade, day trading game. The problem with this is if the market, the whole sea level of the market drops for outside reasons than their purchases, um, they're going to have margin calls because they're doing all this on margin debt. 
And when the margin calls come in, as the market's going lower, prices of the collateral of the lenders is dropping, these, this type of trading is going to get their clock clean and forces more trading, more selling, I should say. And that could cause a cascade in the decline of stock market prices. But that's another problem here tied in with, the, with kind of connecting labor shortages with the stock market. And um, it's not going to end well as the patterns and the indicators, and we almost have a Dow theory bear market signal on the clock, very close to getting one of those, which is a very dangerous indicator. It's a real mess. And how do you fix this? Is the Fed going to print more money and hand out more money? That's not going to make people go to work. That was the problem that started this thing. How do you get people to go to work? There's a problem here. It's brand new. I've never heard of it, anything I'm aware of in the history of America, whenever that we had a situation like this before. So it's new turf and it's dangerous. So, Bob, you use the term Dow Theory Primary Trend bear market signal, if I if I recall that correctly. Can you expand on what that is and, and explain to the listeners uh, why is that dangerous and uh, is there precedent for that? Yes. Um, this goes back to some of the original work of uh, Charles Dow. Of course, the Dow Industrials are named after him. And then his protégés, uh, Hamilton and uh, Richard Russell was a big Dow theory guy for a long time. And what it basically says is for a healthy stock market, both the Dow transportation average and the Dow industrials average must be aligned and uh, in sync. And when they are not in line and not in sync, there's something seriously wrong. Uh, materials that need to be transported before they're turned into products, which is marked by the um, transportation average. And then materials need to be delivered to the buyer after they've been produced by the industrials. So transportation is important as an indicator of what's going on. But if there's a disconnect between manufacturing, the industrials, and transportation, something is seriously wrong. And we have seen that the transportation average has been plunging quietly, un unnoticed, for the past uh, four or five months. And the industrials were going way up. So there's an enormous non-confirmation there. And then the theory goes into some technical aspects, which I don't want to bore the readers with, or the listeners with, but um, bottom line is the, if the industrials drop below 33,200, then we will get a confirmation uh, of the transportation's uh, averages decline. In other words, the transportation averages warning uh, decline will be the, the primary direction of the market and the industrials are headed to follow. And we have a head and shoulders top pattern in the industrials, which is telling us that it's going to drop below 33,290. It's going toward 32,000. And once that happens, this theory signal will come up. And it's had a great track record. It's not perfect. But when you get these bear market signals, again, it's one of these stand up, take notice, be cautious, be careful. Uh, bad things can happen once you see this signal. Bob, let's go back. And uh, there's a, a, a lot in the news about uh, cryptocurrencies and, and a lot in the news about, you know, inflation. So just going back to your analysis, what do you see as far as the future of the U.S. dollar when you look at your work? 
I am very much probably in the minority here, but I don't see uh, the problem. With, <clears throat> I don't see the dollar going away. And uh, I don't see cryptocurrencies taking over for the dollar anytime soon. Um, I know it's a fad. <clears throat> it's big, popular, especially among young people. They love the uh, technology. They love the uh, cryptocurrencies and so on. But the, the regulators are starting to uh, speak out against it. Um, regulations are coming. The S head of the SEC for the, US, for the United States, uh, he's spoken out against it. Uh, foreign countries are now banning it. Some countries are banning it. They won't accept trade with it. Um, I don't quite totally understand it because there's no regulation of it. There's no accountability. Um, you know, who's monitoring this? Who's who's watching over this? And you can't buy or sell much with it. You know, you're going to go into the grocery store and, and, and give them Bitcoin. So at this point, I don't see it as a as a threat to the U.S. dollar. The dollar is the, the currency of transactions. It's convenient. It's widely accepted. I don't see its death anytime soon. So, Bob, let's, in the time we have left, uh, talk about precious metals. Let's talk about gold and silver. Uh, certainly, with all the currency creation we've seen by the Fed, it doesn't seem that, from a fundamental perspective, gold and silver prices have reacted as one would expect. What are your charts and what is your analysis telling you about gold and silver at this point? Well, this is a great uh, question and it's, uh, it's really important. Gold has been forming what I call as a cup and handle pattern. It's a really well-defined pattern. It's been very successful to, to predict the market. It started in 2011 and, it's, and the cup part of the pattern just finished about a year ago. And now we're in the final handle pattern. The handle will be on the right of the cup. And that's a decline usually. It's a declining part of the uh, model. And once the, the handle ends, you see an enormous burst northward. You see an enormous price appreciation in gold in terms of the dollar. And we're close to finishing this handle. And uh, gold's picking up. It's tying in with gold's picking up on inflation right now. It's seeing that all the dollars that were printed weren't sufficient, weren't managed well enough to, to just kept things balanced, it got out of balance. There's too many dollars. And so um, gold is now reacting very positively the last, last couple of days, and it's about to burst out of this handle, and silver will follow as well. And so I think gold could be headed to 3000 over the next several years uh, from its current 1800-ish area uh, as it breaks out of this pattern. And it's going to be because it's picking up the hyperinflation that we're seeing uh, for the reasons we talked about earlier. Silver will do the same thing. Mining stocks are difficult to follow because they're both a corporate, they're both an operating company and they're also uh, metals. They're, they're hybrid. Uh, so they may track the, the stock market, general stock market down for a while, but then they'll turn around and bounce. Their metals aspect will turn around and take them up higher as well. So they may not rally as high as gold initially, but they should catch up over the long term. Well, my guest today has been Dr. Robert McHugh. I would encourage you to check out his work at technicalindicatorindex.com. 
Bob, it's amazing how fast a couple 12-minute segments go when we start chatting, but uh, very much enjoyed our conversation today. Uh, very insightful. I know the listeners appreciate it as well, and I'd love to have you back down the road. Thanks, Dennis. I love, uh, love being on your show, and I appreciate it, and uh, would love to come back. Thank you. We will return after these words. I'm Dennis Tubergen. You are listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates radio program. Glad you're listening in today, and thanks again to Dr. Bob McHugh for joining me on today's program. You know, in the first segment, I talked about the currency creation policies of the Federal Reserve creating inflation, but there is, to be fair, another part of the story here, and they're related. As I talked about with Dr. McHugh, the global supply chain is really, the only way to describe it is that it's incomplete tatters. There are many items and many services that are in short supply, as we discussed, or can't be found at all. Now, I thought in this segment I would share with you some of the items that you may not even be aware of that are in very short supply, and as a result, prices have gone up significantly. I'll start with wooden shipping pallets. Now, a wooden shipping pallet is required to transport just about anything. Paper goods like paper towels, toilet paper, paper plates are shipped on pallets. Food items are shipped on pallets. Auto parts are shipped on pallets. And up until now, they've always been plentiful and taken for granted. Now, during the past year, pallet prices have more than doubled going from less than $7 to over $15 now. And according to Bloomberg, pallets are now a hot commodity, and there are actually pallet hoarders who are getting as many pallets as they can and hoarding them, and there are even now pallet thieves. And even as lumber prices now have eased, pallet prices have kept going up and supplies are expected to remain tight. Aluminum prices are also up significantly. This year alone, aluminum prices are up more than 50%. And carbon dioxide is also in short supply. Now, carbon dioxide has a lot of uses that maybe you don't even know about but it's used to provide carbonation in soft drinks and in beer. Uh, It's used in greenhouses to promote plant growth. Uh, It's used to keep foods fresh while they're being transported. It's used to extend shelf life of packaged meats and, and baked products. And carbon dioxide is actually a byproduct produced by plants Uh, fertilizer plants, actually, a number of which have been shut down because natural gas prices are up significantly. And carbon dioxide has actually gone up 500% this year. Truck drivers are also in short supply. That's leading to these supply chain interruptions. Fuel costs are up 85%. The cost of tires are up 20%. Insurance costs are up 10%. 
Highway tolls are up as well. Many independent truck drivers simply have quit driving because it's a losing proposition. And if you happen to like ketchup on your hamburger or hot dog, Heinz announced that they are now facing ketchup production shortages. In fact, they have started to sell a tool. It's a roller tool that helps users of ketchup packets get the very last drop of ketchup out of the packet so they don't waste it. Mustard and relish supplies are also limited. As expected, prices are rising, and you and I pay more when we go to the store to buy these condiments. Champagne is also in short supply. That could make the New Year's celebrations a bit more sober this year. The lockdowns of 2020 decreased demand because not a lot of people were celebrating anything last year. And champagne houses responded by saying, well, people aren't buying as much champagne. We just won't produce as much champagne. But now we see that people are beginning to celebrate and champagne is in short supply. Of course, it's no surprise that construction materials are up huge. A recent survey of building contractors found that 71% of contractors are facing shortages of at least one material to allow them to get their projects completed. Lumber was the most cited as being in short supply, but steel, electrical, and lighting supplies were also mentioned, and steel and lumber prices are up significantly in the last couple years. Coal is also in short supply. In fact, in China, much of the country's electricity is generated by using coal. As a consequence, Chinese provinces are now rationing electricity, and Europeans are paying very high prices for energy as well as those who live in India. And of course, I don't have to mention, if you've been to the gas pump, that gas prices now have just about doubled this year as well. Healthcare workers are in short supply. Auto mechanics and technicians, as well as port workers to unload shipping containers. In fact, as I record this, the port of Long Beach has 134 ships that are waiting to be unloaded. I expect, as I mentioned in the first segment, that things are going to get worse before they get better. What does that mean for you if you aspire to a comfortable, stress-free retirement? It likely means that you have to look at planning differently than you have in the past. We've never seen anything like the conditions that exist today. The Retirement Roadmap book gives you a strategy that has been developed especially for today's economy. If you've not yet requested your copy of the book, the Retirement Roadmap book may show you how you can use the revenue sourcing process to achieve a secure tax-free retirement in today's economy. I'd like to invite you to get a complimentary copy of the book. 
All you need to do is visit the website, RoadmapToRetirementBook.com, and let me know where to mail your complimentary copy of the book. I'd be very glad to do that. I'll also send you some bonus materials absolutely free that I think you'll find to be timely. Again, the website, RoadmapToRetirementBook.com, RoadmapToRetirementBook.com. That's my program for this week. Hope you got something you can use. I'll be back again next week.